Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Jeff Henderson. Today at Launch University, we're going to talk about a topic that I'm pretty sure you've never heard a business or entrepreneurship podcast talk about. We're going to talk about an anatomy of an apology. And I'm here with David Farmer and Kevin Jennings, and Kevin's going to be our expert today, David. But tell us why you think this is such an important topic for launchers to lean into today. Yeah, it is fresh, and I'm glad we're doing it, and glad Kevin has given it a lot of thought and has actually had a chance to share on it. But as I, I think about why it's important, if you're a leader and you're really trying to make a difference, it means you've got to take some risk. You've got to stick your neck out there. You may have to go where um, you've never gone before, and you need to give yourself some grace and permission to fail and make mistakes. And along the way, you may unintentionally do things that warrant an apology. And so a really good leader is going to be transparent and going to be willing to just own it and uh, know how to go and make whatever reparations are necessary. So I think it's a tool you got to have in your toolbox. Yeah, uh, that's great. And the other thing, too, we all leave awake in our leadership. And as forward-thinking leaders, we tend to look at what's ahead. But what we're talking about today is actually pausing and looking back at the wake of your leadership. And there may be some people that have been thrown off the boat uh, that are swimming, maybe drowning. And if you don't go back and deal with that, it will slow down eventually the boat that's heading down toward the idea. So Kevin, I had the opportunity. I'm ahead of everybody today because I've already heard this. And uh, you did a phenomenal job at the Gumption Conference. Shout out to Chris Thomas with Made South, former Launch University podcast guest, thanks to you. And you did a phenomenal job. It was a great conference. But what you walked through and what I'd never heard is there's actually a process, a good process to walk through. We've all said an apology, but we've never been taught how to do it. And I think all of us that day that learned, that heard from you, we learned and became better leaders because we understood how to do this. So what we're going to do today is have you walk us through that. So tell us a little bit, though, about how you learned this and the story, and then we'll, we'll dive into the anatomy of an apology. Yeah. So for me, this started in pre-engagement counseling. So uh, for anyone who's like, oh, that's so cool. Well, yeah, it's not as cool, uh, right? And in and, and that reality, for me, my wife and I, well, actually a couple, I really aspired to have a marriage like when I was a kid. Um, for those who haven't heard my story before, my parents got divorced when I was pretty young. And I just really wanted to find a great marriage to model after. And my best friend's parents, uh, they always have, they've always had a fantastic marriage. So I asked them when I was 19 what they did differently. And they said, we got pre-engagement counseling. We went to counseling before. We told our parents. We didn't tell anybody. We just said, we don't know if we really want to go seriously with this. We want to find out before invitations are sent and deposits are paid so that we don't have the pressure of following through on something regardless. So for those, that's, that's a side tip. That's all. Mallory and I actually, I wouldn't say we've done counseling because we're not therapists, but we have done premarital mentoring mm. where we'll meet with a couple um, about a half dozen times and walk through issues. And we could honestly, I mean, I don't know, we've done a number of couples. We could say these guys are going to, they're going to be awesome. And there are others who are going, uh, and we would <laughs> challenge them. So, yeah, I can totally speak to the value of that. It's good for you. Well, so, so that kind of led me down to this path where one of our sessions was about the about how to apologize. And he just said, hey, I'm not going to solve all your problems. I'm just going to give you a bunch of tools 
in our time together. And you'll use these tools forever to help you navigate what comes your way. And one thing, he, he walked me through this methodology, and I've kind of added my own language to it. But the one thing that jumped out was, well, let me show you how to do it, period. Sure. Let me just pause. That's okay. Yeah. All right. So there's four steps, and there's four parts of the anatomy of an apology. One is a statement of the mistake. A second one is an admission of wrongdoing. The third is an explanation of why it's wrong. And the last one is a request for forgiveness. And so I will model that really quick in a quick example about being late. Okay, so I'm sorry for being late to our meeting. So that's the statement of the mistake. I, I definitely need to write this down. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong, period. And that's the admission of wrongdoing. Then you say, I said something like, when I'm late, it communicates a lack of respect for you and your time, and that's not okay. That's the explanation of why it's wrong, and then will you forgive me? And I was taught to say, I'm sorry, and right. I would stop, or I apologize, not end it there. Mm-hmm. And one thing that my wife said right there in the middle of the session, when I, we did this in front of them, we practiced apologizing, and I said I was wrong, and she said, that's what's been missing. She said, she said Kevin, I know every time you say you're sorry, I knew you meant it, I just... I was wrong. To me, I, I thought to myself, is he saying he's sorry to get out of a circumstance to change my emotions versus, no, he agrees with me that this was a wrong thing to do, which in my mind gives me confidence that you're less likely to do it again. The explanation obviously gives you empathy because they say, okay, you do know how this feels. You've thought about this. Yeah, it does. I did feel disrespected when you were late. I did feel like you didn't care about me and my time anymore. Wow, you actually thought about this. And then the request for forgiveness to say, will you forgive me, is humbling. Mm-hmm. It puts you in a place of humility to say, I might be able to forgive myself, but your ability to forgive me is something I can't control, but I want it. And I'm going to ask for it. I'm going to submit to that. And that humility for people, especially when you're the leader, that changes the game. Because like, of course, a boss, leader, yeah. yeah. And, and Because no one expects you to say, I'm going to take myself from my position and say, no, I'm here to serve you. And that's not okay. We forgive me. And now when I learned that, obviously I was newly married and I've had a, a daughter since then. And I've been rising, you know, marketing director organizations and then starting my own business. So I use this a, a lot, a lot. <laughs> uh, I mean, way more than I enjoy. I think everyone on my team heard me apologize to them so often they're probably sick of it. But I, for me, it's just something I, I'm trying to process my own behavior every day through journaling. And when I process my decisions from the day prior, they just uh, they are illuminated very clearly. Hey, you you bulldozed that person because you were short on time. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't have to do it that way. You could have said I'm short on time. If you need to be a long conversation, let me come back to you. But don't bulldoze them. You need to apologize. And they're like, I didn't even know she bulldozed me. Like, but I did, and that matters. The fact is, I noticed it, and I have to come back mm-hmm. and make it right. Now, one thing this is. Fantastic, Kevin. One thing I would like for you to do is go through those steps again, because I sure. would imagine we have folks in their car and they're like, "What?" And they're we don't want them to be taking notes while they're doing. It. Now that you do have the show notes, so that, that's right. But I would would love for you to go through these four steps again, and then we'll we'll dive deep in these. But but go through those again for those that are thinking, "Oh, what was that step number two? Sure. So step one, a statement of the mistake, and that brings clarity. People want to understand why you're apologizing. I'm at, especially if you're in a, a, a romantic relationship, um, just saying you're sorry doesn't cut it. For, for what? What, do you, what did you see? Um, so clarity, statement of the mistake. Accountability through an admission of wrongdoing. It was on me. All right? So I was wrong. Empathy through an explanation of why it's wrong. 
I've thought about this. I've put myself in your shoes. And this is why I understand the impact of my, my mistake. And humility through a request for forgiveness. Did you accidentally leave out a step where you explain all the circumstances behind uh, the behavior that was inappropriate? Yeah, you know, <laughs> exactly. You know what? I do feel like one, one of my buddies recently told me, he said, you get bonus points if, you, if you're able to share a plan for corrective action. And I was like, that's incredible. I agree with that. And I'm actually kidding because we, we we tend to want to layer the apology in with all of our rationale, yes, right? That's, oh, yes, you're so, right. So that, that that's kind of like the the unspoken step. Don't do this stuff. So so well said, David. That's so true. Yeah, if, you will undermine your apology if you try to explain why you made your decision. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it's like at some point they may want to know. At some point, you'll say, "I'm happy to explain it if you want to understand." But, the, but it doesn't change the outcome. The outcome is I was wrong, and I'm going, and I want you to understand that. And you know, hitting someone because you're drunk driving, saying, "But let me tell you, why I was drinking." That's not going to cut it. Like they, like matter of fact, I'm injured. I'm in the hospital. I can't work. You know, like none of that's going to. I have to learn how to walk again. Whatever that crazy situation causes, you're not going to say. But I had a really rough day at work to explain why you were drinking, mm-hmm. and so it actually undermines your apology to do that. And I think when it comes to marriage, this makes perfect sense. When it comes to the workplace, I think we can get a there can be a little bit of a resistance because we think if I'm a great leader and I apologize, that means I'm not a great leader because I'm apologizing. That's right. And it's actually the opposite of that. For for quite a while now, the word authenticity and authentic leader has been kind of a buzzword in in the workplace, which is good. But sometimes it sounds good. But how do you practically be an authentic leader? Well, if you do this, that's one of the primary ways that you can be authentic. So why do you think there is a little bit of pushback sometimes in doing this and from a, from a leadership standpoint? Because we feel we have to have the answers. Um, and and so because we you know people are looking to us for the answer and us owning our lack of knowledge can feel like an exposed, exposing ourselves, you know, and our vulnerability uh, and, and make us feel like maybe we're not equipped to do the, to do the role well. But the reality we talk about a lot on this podcast is the power of teams. If you are the smartest person in the room, you're not probably being a great leader. If, you, if you're always talking, you're not being a great leader. If you're not intentionally pushing your team to grow and develop specializations that you don't possess, you're not being a great leader. So in many ways, you're in a, your ability to make sure you're, you don't have the answers is actually a sign of how strong a leader you are to make sure I don't have the answers. I, I assemble people around me to do that. And I mean, I think for me, you know, sometimes it, it, it's hard. I mean, it is, it's really hard, especially depending on your personality type. I'm, I've always been very open. Um, I was raised that way. So apologizing is not really my challenge. But when I do that over and over again, it's, it feels like I'm chipping away at my own confidence. Like, I can't get it right. I just never get it right. And it starts to frustrate me that I'm coming back to this person again. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm tired of apologizing. I'm exhausted. But the reality is if you're doing that a lot, at least from right now I'm learning, that means you're doing a lot of new things. Like, I mean, if you're doing things you know to do and do them well, then eventually you're going to get surpassed. I think David actually taught me privately multiple times about, hey, Kevin, it's really important to make sure you grow at the rate that the organization needs. Out, try to outpace the organization's needs in your development. Mm-hmm. Do not wait for the organization to recognize the need because by that time, they're looking for someone who's already ready for the role. They're not saying, okay, now we need it now. Go, go, go do it for a year. No, no, we need it now. Where were you six months ago, eight months ago? Mm-hmm. When we told you where we were headed, we cast the vision. 
We told you what skills to develop. So that means if you're making mistakes, it's actually a sign that you're actually being a difference maker. You're being a trailblazer in your organization. That's well said, Kevin. And I got a kind of a question, sort of flip the script a little bit for really both you guys. Talk about if I'm the leader, I make a mistake, and I choose not to apologize. What are the uh, consequences? Yeah, Jeff, you want to take that one first? One of the things I think that you are doing when you do this is that you're modeling for the rest of the team how to do this. And so when you don't do this, then you're not allowing anyone else to learn. And then there's no a sense of, I think, team building, and there's no uh, culture here that is allowing other team members to go and say, hey, let me walk you through what I did that was wrong. And I think it really builds a culture of a team when you can do this. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's really, te- it's, this, is a, this isn't just an apology. This is leadership development at its core. Yeah, I feel like what happens also as a casualty is your team members start to callous themselves. Intentionally, I mean, they're trying to they're, they go into a self-preservation mode of, OK, well, if my leader's going to do this to me and I have to come and do the work anyway. And they might be nice the next day to 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 kind of uh, pseudo apologize. I'll just be kind to you and maybe bring you coffee that next day. But I never say I'm sorry. I never actually apologize. I say, OK, I have to protect myself so I don't get that vulnerable. I, have to, I can't give all of who I am at this job because you'll hurt me. Like, period. You'll hurt me, the person. And, and I can't keep getting hurt all the time. So I'm going to try to either I'll sandbag certain goals because I don't want to get I don't want you to hurt me if I, if I don't hit the goal. And I start, so it becomes a self-preservation thing that's negative. And I think the other part of it is we lose trust in you because we're saying if you don't have the willingness to own that you made this simple error, well, we can't call you out. There's no accountability amongst each other that the, t- the team needs to achieve a common goal. Yeah, that word accountability, I think you're really undermining the value of accountability in the team. If by avoiding apology, you're not holding yourself accountable. Indeed. Particularly if you're in that leadership spot. And I also think, David, the, the, the fi- there's a financial reality to this. I think it's a factor of high turnover rates. Hmm. And this is an endearing action. So when a leader does this, it's an endearing action. And endearing actions build enduring companies. So when the leader is endearing in this moment, it builds trust. It shows vulnerability and authenticity. And I think that flows to the rest of the team. When that doesn't happen, I think there's a turn. I think this, it's not probably, but sometimes it may be. But I think it's a factor in turnover rates. And one of the things I learned from Chick-fil-A, especially at the store level, if you can keep the, 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 the retention rate really, really high at the local level, it actually flows to profit because yeah. they understand the business, they understand it more, they develop loyalty. And, and imagine if this is happening at a store level like a Chick-fil-A, if everyone at that level of the, at the store understands how the anatomy and apology, I actually think the loyalty and retention rate will increase just with this one factor alone. Which we actually do have to teach because, um, you know, we do lots of transactions every day and we're going to get some wrong. We don't want to, but we will make mistakes. We have to teach people how to totally own that mistake and try to um, really reconcile the transaction with the customer. I, can I point out two things that maybe we can share with listeners that can go wrong. One, if you are doing this too much, maybe one, if you have a reticence to do it. Mm-hmm. So you, you sort of spoke to this. If you're doing this all the time around the same issue. That's a good point. Warning flag, right? <laughs> That's right. Hey, I got a good idea. Let's just deal with the issue so we don't have to apologize <laughs> all the time. 
right? Because so it's good that you're apologizing, but it may point to another issue that needs to be dealt with. Yes, sir. But if you have a reticence to do this, I think that's a warning signal. There may be a pride issue going on. Uh, I would say, if you, you know how you get emotional sometimes when there may be conflict. This has happened in my own marriage. I have to confess, and I'm normally the cause. But I, I find myself at a moment where I have to decide I've got to get beyond my pride. I've got to be the one that speaks first. I'm supposed to be a leader. I need to own this. I need to humble myself and, and get out there and do the right thing. But it's pride I'm battling with. So a couple traps we just got to watch out for. And, and I think one thing that's powerful about that for leaders uh, who are listening is the reality that the only thing you can change in any circumstance is your behavior and your responses. So the act of apologizing doesn't mean that no one else on your team, no other outside factor contributed to the mistake. Um, but, you know, I'm very transparent, you know, in the development of Junction 32 as a company, we've taken on some bad clients. That's just a, that's just an honest fact. And I had the red flags before we signed the deal. And I saw revenue. I saw an opportunity to grow. And I knew that the challenge they were facing I could solve, but there was a cultural misalignment between me and the client. And and I knew it before I said before I pushed forward and I did it anyway. So when I apologized to my team and apologized to my wife for the stress it was causing in the late nights of working, I had to say it doesn't matter that they contributed after the red flags. I had the red flags. Does it matter that they waved their money in front of me? So, because I can change me. And so there doesn't mean there's no blame to go around. You're not trying to take all the blame when you apologize. You're trying to own your contribution to the circumstance, mainly for you as well, because this act of going through that and, and the apology is helping you have a marked moment where you're like, I don't want to repeat this. For me, this is enough for me. I don't want to do this again. And that starts to make a difference. And I do believe that over time, to Jeff's point, modeling to your team that you evaluate your behavior outside of work is meaningful all by itself. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that. And to David's point, to, to use your example about being late for meetings, if you're consistently saying, hey, I want to apologize for being late to me, well, that's a, that, okay, there's an issue here. Let's just not be late at meetings. So I do think it's, it's, there needs to be an awareness of what kind of, what kind of things am I apologizing for? Yes. Because this is a fantastic opportunity for you to become more emotionally aware and more emotionally intelligent of your leadership. And again, what we're talking about, and as launchers, we don't like to do this. I totally understand. I, I'm all about new ideas and moving forward. It's, it's about turning back and looking at the wake of your leadership. Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about today. And, and the reality is wherever you are, wherever you go, there you are, right? right. So, so, you are, so that, for me, I'm being very transparent. I am chronically late. So that's something I'm working on very, very actively. I'm with you, Kevin. And, and, and the reality is when, I, when I've sat down and tried to dissect using that, the five whys, you know, Toyota's methodology about what's really happening here, I'm overbooked. I'm, I'm stretched too thin. Like, I should be delegating more, period. I should be sharing the load more. I, you, it's impossible to do my workload and have four to five hours meetings that day and, have, and, and, and sleep seven, seven hours a night. So, so for me, it's like, hey, Kevin, the problem is you're not sharing the load with the team. What's going on there? You don't trust everybody the way you're supposed to. You're not hiring mm -hmm. the right way. Okay, that's on you. Now, now so, so it still fell back on me. It is, so me being late didn't necessarily say, well, I just got to be more punctual. Yeah, I, that's true. 
but what? Why? What? What is happening? Why is everything okay? It's on you, Kevin. So, mm-hmm. so it still rests on me to change. But now I have a chance. To your point, to say I have a real solution. And with bonus points for corrective action. Hey, here's the here's the reality, guys. My meeting's running over. I'm not playing agendas in advance. Oh, that's on me too, right? There's so many corrective actions that I can mm-hmm. outline that contribute to my lateness that I know I can change that. And this is so important because. In, in the in the age of personality test, I've heard people apologizing, but they're not going through these four steps. They're going through like step one or two. What, what they're saying is, I'm sorry, but I'm an Enneagram seven, and that's just how I am. Or I'm sorry, but I'm a color red, and that's just who I am. And there's some truth to that. But what we're saying is, I'm not really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's just who I am, and I'm not going to change. That's right. That's, that's a half apology. And so that's why this this four-step process. Now, you got to so be good to say a half apology is not an apology. I agree with that. You, that could be the bottom line right It there. is. I think you so. You apologize or you don't, but a half apology is no apology. It's true. It's but, true. But it may feel like it to you, but I don't think it feels like an apology to the person who you need to be apologizing to. And tone matters, too. So right. if you're like, I'm sorry. Even if you're, even if you're really sincere, too much passion and conviction in how you communicate your apology because the reality is a lower tone also communicates a certain level of resolve and mm-hmm. peace mm-hmm. within you mm-hmm. as a communicator of that apology. I, mm-hmm. I had this recently happen where I was saying, I'm sorry, and I was actually following the methodology, <laughs> but my but my tone communicated a sense of frustration. And more importantly, to David's point earlier, I, uh, I said I was sorry the right way and then undermined it by trying to explain why I wasn't trying to hurt them. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, if they're working with you on your team, they hope that they hopefully believe that you're not trying to hurt them. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean you didn't hurt them. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, that's why the pain feels much bigger. Because I trust you, I believe in you as my leader, and you hurt me. Mm-hmm. So that's why the apology is so much more meaningful in the restoration of your team so you can continue to achieve results. Mm-hmm. It's somewhat similar to the process that Shane walked us through several podcasts ago about listening. Yes. There's some steps to listening, but he made the great point. You got to make sure that as you listen to someone, that they understand that you are you are listening to them versus just going through the steps and the process. Indeed. Because you can do the apology and it just seems like you're okay now. And if they know this, like if you teach this to your team, which I really think a great exercise would be for you to send this podcast to your team Everybody listens to it. Then you get on a whiteboard and you go through these four steps and you talk about that. That's the good news. The bad news is, is now that everybody knows the process, they got to make sure that you're actually genuinely going through it, just going, oh, you just moved from step two to step three. So what personality comes back in is how would this person, based on their personality, best receive this apology? And Ooh, I, that's good because I've heard people say, "Well, if I make a mistake in public, I should apologize in public." And I and I, for why I actually prescribed that until I did a public apology to someone who was a very private person, <laughs> and they're like, "No, what did you yeah. do? You did that for you, so everyone would like you and think you're a great leader." That wasn't for me. Yep, yep, that's good. And so it's important to say, "Okay, all right, just because I made a public mistake doesn't mm-hmm. require a public apology." If that does not suit an individual. Now, a corporate decision, i.e. Kevin brought on a bad client that made the whole team suffer, 
Yeah, that might require public apology and multiple private apologies, depending on how it played out. Right. But that's a different conversation, a corporate level decision versus I offended that person. I spoke to them inappropriately, even if it was in front of a group. That's not what they may want. Now, I might go with the people who heard me say, hey, you know what? I want to apologize for how I talked to that person. I've connected with them privately, but I want you to know that what I did wasn't okay. And I apologize to you, too. Because you shouldn't have ever seen me do that, and I should have never done that. So, so once again, you can still do it, but still there's a respect of that person and who they are. So here's our challenge for our listeners today. I want you to try this for 30 days. And maybe try it without sharing this with the team. Then after you try it for a few weeks, then go through this, send them this podcast, and then let's and then talk about it as a team and and see how this helps shape really the culture and the emotional awareness and the emotional intelligence of your team and your leadership. So we've got the show notes, Kev. That's right. And I have a template. So I'll, I'll give it to them. I mean, we'll put in the show notes as well. Uh, it's already, I already had it set up on my phone. So if you just text hashtag apology, so the actual, an actual hashtag, the word apology, uh, to my personal cell phone. So that's 615-455-3399. That's 615-455-3399. It will automatically send you the uh, template. And we'll, but we'll also have it in the show notes as well uh, to make sure you get that. But yeah, this is this is this has been a game changer in every area of my life. Sincerely, with my brother, uh, with, going back and when I think about past hurts as teenagers, I mean mm-hmm. this this is the kind of thing that truly restores relationships because the clarity, the accountability, the empathy, and the humility of this apology really can restore relationship. And like I said, I said that day at Gumption. Forgiveness moves people forward. And this is about you recognizing that you don't want the pursuit of a goal to build up so much dirt under a rug that it actually has to hurt the very thing you're giving your life, its energy and time to create. And you need people to do this. And forgiveness moves people forward. That's fantastic. Well, we'll wrap it up with that today. Thanks for listening to Launch University. Continue to subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Instagram, and we're just so grateful that you're a part of this journey. And I think this, just this alone, let's practice this for the next two or three, four weeks and see how this impacts our leadership. Kev, thanks so much. Hey, thank you guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.